Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. I'm starting a two-day teaching on not many fathers, as Paul pointed out in the Word of God. He said you had many instructors, but not that many fathers. What is a spiritual father? It's a person you really want to imitate in this life. Learn from them and apply what they teach you in their life more than a book, more than a CD, more than a flash drive. It's an actual connection you have with a person. You think it sounds good? Wait till you hear the teaching today. Join me. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Well, welcome to Student of the Word again today. This is Pastor Bob Yandian. And uh, today I want to address those that uh, to tell you really what my heart is toward ministers. And uh, I don't believe I'm just raising up uh, people in out there just to follow Jesus and just to, you know, might even be good pastors of churches. I'm really looking to raise you up to make you spiritual fathers. I believe I'm a spiritual father. I've got the point now in my ministry that so many ministers have uh, graduated from underneath me and gone to their own ministries, have their own churches. But I also see them now, they're beginning to transition, have other people come to uh, and take over their churches. So they actually have taken on that role of a father too. And so this is what I look forward to, you know, to see as many ministers as possible coming out from under me who turned into ministers themselves. You know, I believe it's the responsibility of parents when training their children. You have a daughter and a son standing in front of you. And here's the point. You're not really training your daughter to eventually go to college and eventually get a job somewhere. You're training your daughter to be a, to be a future mother. And you're training your son not to go to college, not to, not to start in a business and maybe take over his own business or whatever. No, that's, you're stopping before the end result. You're training him to become a father himself. You're raising up a future father. You're raising up a future mother. This is how I see the ministers, not just somebody that'll take over a church and pastor a church. I'm looking for someone that I can train to raise up to that he will be like I am, and that's train others underneath him and other ministers going out, not just to get the congregation saved, not just to get them filled with the Holy Spirit, not just to see them walk in daily blessings of God, including healing or whatever that may be, not to even just see them become successful on their jobs and stuff, but to find those within the congregation who have a call to the ministry and help to train and raise them up. This is again why I'm titling this today, Not Many Fathers. We're gonna take a look at a scripture that declares that. I wanna give you as ministers, that what we're offering today is God's word to pastors. And listen, it's not just for pastors. All I call it to pastors. If you're a member of the congregation, you might even have a class or a cell group or a home group or a fellowship or whatever you might have. This is good for you too, because it has to do with anybody that's in spiritual leadership. But what I really want to do is through this book and through other things that I have, many other things, is train and raise up again fathers in the ministry. And there, I really find three ways that you can become a successful minister and then finally become a spiritual father. The first one is, is personal study and prayer. And there must be a dedication in your life to where this becomes a consuming thing in your life, where you're consumed by the word of God, consumed with ministering the word of God. In fact, I was so consumed with the word of God, it brought marriage problems in. My wife and I had marriage problems because I was just, all I wanted to do was sit and study the word of God. I, the greatest things I got was revelations from the word of God. And I had to bring that back into balance in my own life because my wife would say, hey, hey, I'm here. There's some things I'd like to do. 
And oftentimes I say, honey, I'm almost through with it, almost through with this. And an hour later, I'm still not through with it. And so again, I had to really curb that in my life because I was just consumed with studying the word of God. And so in your own life, I'm not asking you to go to that extreme, but I'm simply saying to where it becomes literally a thing in your life to where that's what you think about. You think about the word, you think about studying the word of God, you can't wait. I mean, if you have an hour free, you're not gonna go bowling, you're not gonna go play racquetball, you're not gonna go play golf. No, what you, well, you can't play golf in an hour, but anyway. You know what I'm talking about. It comes back to this. You think, oh, I've got an hour with, I can study the word. And you go back to your notes you've been looking at and, and you're praying over all that. Personal study and prayer becomes an important part. In fact, one of the central focus points of your life. And this means by personal study and prayer that you pray in the spirit a lot. And in Isaiah 52, it says, with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. Then he brings out line upon line, precept upon precept. I took that as basically a formula or a, 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 a framework for my life that I pray in the spirit and then I study the word. And I pray in the spirit and study the word. And when I pray in the spirit, it helps the Holy Spirit, who is the author of that book, to illuminate parts of the word of God to me. How many times you ever read a book, you know, maybe a, a biography or something, or you, you know, you read a novel or something and you're sitting there reading it and you go, what, what did you, whoa, whoa, what was this? What did you mean by this? And you're trying to figure that out yourself and you wish the author was sitting next to you where you could point and say, what did you mean right there? Because I followed you up till that point. What was this? And they could explain what they meant. Well, here it is. The Holy Spirit, the author of the book lives in you. So you find some tough scriptures. What are you supposed to do? Well, talk to the Holy Spirit. Pray to him. And the best way to speak to God is by speaking in tongues. He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks to God. And in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. It's simply saying there's illumination that come from you as you pray in the spirit. And especially as a minister of the word of God about to teach something. And this comes back to, again, cell groups, whatever you might have, or home groups or, or a Sunday school class. These are things that you have. But again, it comes back to the, the one that wrote the book is is the revealer of the book, and that's the Holy Spirit. So the first thing is prayer and study in the Word of God. Number two is having instructors in your life. And I mean, this is a good library, books, CDs, whatever it may be, flash drives, whatever you might have. And it simply comes back to this. You want instructors that will help get you there. I know it's true. The world, the world always says this, you know, that you, you know, it takes a village to raise somebody. There's a truth to that. I mean, you can't brag on yourself and say that you were self-made. No, you, you didn't feed yourself, change your own diapers. You didn't birth yourself. No, it took a mom to do that. And then as you were raised, you can't say that you taught yourself to read. No, there was instructors that did that. And we look back at all those, but we had them for a season, then they were gone. I'm talking about instructors in your life that one day you look back on your life and you say, you know what, Mrs. Smith, I owe her a great a gra amount of gratitude. She was my sixth grade teacher. I really look back on her. She taught me some things. I remember one teacher I had that is, I got to algebra. I just didn't even know what algebra was. I had a hard time. I could take addition and subtraction and multiplication division. But when he got into algebra, I suddenly was lost in this thing. And one teacher opened it up for me. And I've said, oh, the moment I saw it, I mean, it's like, boom, I saw it. I'll never forget that. And so I remembered her. And so it says here again in uh, what I'm teaching on here is the fact that I once was young, now I'm old. Yet have I never seen the righteous forsaken or seen begging bread. You know what that verse is saying? I once was young, now am I old. I can vouch for that once, once was young. I wish I could take that word once out and go back sometimes. My, my favorite saying is I, I wish I had this brain inside of a 17 year old body. Wouldn't that be great? Well, it's not gonna happen. And so uh, again, I'm smarter now than I 
used to be, but I owe that back to people too. Good books I have read and all that. I've now come to the point where I've never seen the righteous forsaken or received begging bread. There used to be a time I'd quote you scripture after scripture, but the older you get, the more personal testimonies you have. And I can tell them, listen, I, I saw this happen in this person, this happened in this person. And you actually take the application of the word of God and give it to those who you're follow, or the, who are following after you. Let me tell you some authors I began with. E.W. Kenyon was one of the first ones I studied after. E.W. Kenyon, his books are still around and great books on simple faith and simple love toward God and uh, the operation of the Holy Spirit in your life. E.W. Kenyon was great, especially on prayer. Then there was Newell and I had his books on Romans and Hebrews. Great book. And Newell, uh, I would say probably was this. He was more of a fundamentalist but he was a great author. And uh, then Dwight Pentecost, he also was a fundamentalist, wrote great books on the end times. Here's a guy that was a fundamentalist, but his name was Pentecost. But again, a great author, C.H. McIntosh. Man, my dad had C.H. McIntosh books. I began to study them and I had them for a while. Then Kenneth Wiest opened up some great things in my life and I have his copy of the New Testament. And then also, again, I got advice from others. I would go to a bookstore. If I was gonna study a book of the Bible or a certain passage, I'd go to the Baptist bookstore, which was down the street from me and ask from behind them, what's the best-selling book on the book of Galatians? They'd say, oh, this one. More ministers ask for this one than any other. Okay, that tells me something. I don't have to try to guess in myself or pray and have the Holy Spirit point to the right one. I can get some words from other ministers. And so that's the ones I'd buy. And sometimes they'd say that one. And then this one over here too, it's not quite as requested as this one. I'd say, well, give me both of them. So I'd buy both of them. And I would go to the bookstore, ask for the best books on subjects and best books on books of the Bible. And I learned this a long time ago. Kenneth Hagin, I work for him, used to often say this. He said, don't be afraid to reach out to other ministers, even they might disagree with you. He said, at least be like a cow, eat the hay and spit out the sticks. And believe me, I've had to spit out some sticks in certain cases, come to a certain a chapter of a book where they ran down the gifts of the spirit, call me demon possessed for believing in healing. And I know I'm not demon possessed. I know I've seen, he I had healing in my own life, laid hands on the sick people, see it. And I still know it's true today. So I would just bypass that chapter, go to the next one. Sometimes in the middle of a chapter, you'd see where they were leading to. And often the common thread that ran through some of those I studied after was Calvinism. And there's some great points to Calvinism, but there's also some excessive points to Calvinism. And one of them is the fact that Jesus didn't die for all the sins of the world. And so uh, it's called limited atonement. I believe in unlimited atonement. Jesus died for everybody, but there's some who teach it's limited atonement. He only died for the ones that he knows were gonna receive him. And so he died for those that it was uh, granted to them to receive him as Lord and Savior. And that's just not true. My Bible says that there's not. he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come. But again, you learn to do that because here's the point. I agree with this much of what they're teaching. I disagree with this much of their teaching. So why why throw away all this over here for this over here? And oftentimes ministers do that. Well, he doesn't believe what I believe. And they throw the whole book out. My Lord, there's things in there that'll change your life. And why don't you pray for that, that author that he'll get up to your level where he doesn't make mistakes anymore. We all make mistakes. We all have things. And Jesus is gonna have eternity with us. And I want believe one of the reasons why we'll be in heaven forever is because Jesus has to straighten all of us out. So again, then I took New Testament Greek. Then I graduated to other authors, which I still consider some of, some of the best authors today I've studied after, Arthur Pink is one of them. And I studied his books and it's available now for really 
very, very inexpensive. You can get it all downloaded for just a, a matter of a few dollars. And he has tons and tons of material. But again, he also is one of those Calvinists that gets way out there on the issue of limited atonement. And today I study a lot after Donald Gray Barnhouse. He died in 1960. But his uh, radio broadcasts are still available. Everyone's a half hour long and becomes a great, great source of sermons. But here again, I recommend this to them. And that is don't just take it verbatim, study it on Saturday night and preach it on Sunday morning. Let it become a part of your life. Assimilate it. Take it in and see your own viewpoints on it. Use your stories around it. Use how it blessed you and make it an individual thing because the truth that he brings out is eternal. But some of the things he may bring out are personal too. And you don't want to bring those out, but you want to take the eternal part of it and understand he got that from somebody else who got that from somebody else and eventually comes back to the Holy Spirit himself. But the last thing I want to talk to you about, there's also fathers and mentors in the spiritual life. I consider these spiritual parents who gave us great experience to help us come to a point in our life where we too can begin to pass that on and raise fathers and mothers around us in the spiritual truths of God. And this is what I'm looking for. I'll get into this in the second half of the broadcast. But in the meantime, let me just say again, thank you to those who support the broadcast. You, you're great. I mean, honestly, I cannot go into detail of how much you have blessed me and to know that you believe in what I believe in, that your heart is with me and that you become a partner with me. I don't want the person, you know, to say, well, I kind of like him, so I'll give an offering to him. I'll appreciate the offering, but I understand most of all the love and the intent and the connection we have in our hearts to each other. If you'd like to become a partner with me, go to my website, bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can join this great group of people that are my partners too. I'll see you right after halftime. This newly revised and expanded handbook is packed with biblical wisdom and practical guidance from the pastoral trenches. It will help to equip and encourage you in your ministry. Bobby Endian, a veteran pastor of more than 30 years, provides answers to common questions relating to your everyday pastoral duties and personal life. Bob covers topics such as the first pastor's conference in Acts 20, passion versus calling, daily schedules, living a balanced life, Wolves after your sheep, the glorious church. Pastors need pastors. Whose flock do you pastor? Spiritual workaholics. Family before ministry. The pastor's heart and the bond of peace. Bob will help you apply timeless biblical wisdom to the issues and dynamics of today's pastoral ministry. To order, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. 
You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. During the first half of this broadcast, I brought you three ways that we can grow into successful ministers. And I used it for my own life, but I probably really think these three points are important. Number one is personal study and prayer. You may not have a book around you, all you got your Bible, you really, you really just feel a call to the ministry, but you have this, this incredible hunger and thirst for the Word of God. And I recommend you start this way, not even with other books around you, other CDs around you, start this way personal study and prayer. And I believe speaking in tongues, praying in tongues is very critical at this point because it says in Isaiah 52, the very first mention of speaking with tongues, with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. He speaks to you and the Holy Spirit can reveal things to you. This is not for church. This is your personal study life. Then it goes on to say there that it's line upon line and precept upon precept. Here little, there little, for with stammering lips and another tongue. It simply says study, then pray in the Spirit. Study, then pray in the Spirit, because the author of the Bible, the author of the Word of God lives inside of you and has anointed you, and by praying, you make yourself connected to Him. He that prays in an unknown tongue speaks to God understand that you're speaking to God. And it says, and you bring down uh, great revelations in your life. Great mysteries are unfolded inside of you. The second way is then having instructors. This comes back to good libraries, a number of books, a number of CDs, flash drives, things you listen to in your car. And there comes time you just have to stop them because it's such a great thought. You have to think about it for a while. And again, these are instructors, much like you had instructors in school. Everyone taught you something and you look back on it, but there's some that just stand out. You remember, I remember teachers I had in the sixth grade and fifth grade and a math teacher in the eighth grade. Again, these were ones that just showed me things. And although I had them for a year, they really helped me out. And so I can recommend some authors. I already told you those authors in the first half of the broadcast, E.W. Kenyon and and uh, Newell and Dwight Pentecost, C.H. McIntosh, Kenneth Wiest. And again, I would go to bookstores and ask them, Christian bookstores, what's the best books on these subjects if I didn't know an author? And again, I brought out the fact you're always gonna find things you disagree with them on, but again, you agree with this much, you might disagree with them on this much. Don't throw the whole thing out because of what you disagree with them on. At least like I said, Kenneth Hagin said, be like a cow, eat the hay and spit out the sticks. I took New Testament Greek and then I graduated too to some authors that today still impact my life greatly. And that is Arthur Pink. And today I listened to Donald Gray Barnhouse and he is a minister who died in 1960. But like I said, there's a lot of uh, tapes out there. I say tapes. There's a lot of recordings out there of his radio broadcast and you can find those online. And the last thing I mentioned was fathers and mentors, spiritual parents giving experience. And this is what I wanna bring out to you too is because I have those in my life my personal father, the first man who began our church that I pastored, I considered a spiritual father. In fact, the first pastor I had who was a teacher, not just a preacher, a teacher, and taught verse by verse, would often take five, six weeks on a subject, and I'd never heard a pastor do that, and really just opened up things for me I'd never seen before, and he became a model for me. I wanna be like him. I worked for Kenneth Hagin. He also was a spiritual father to me, 
And I remember walking down the hall sometime at the office and I had a question I would ask him and the wisdom that came from me, I thought, oh my goodness, because he wasn't just sharing what the word had. He would also bring his personal experience, how he saw it work in his life and other people's lives. And that really stuck with me. So again, there's fathers and instructors in the kingdom. This is the highest one. This is what I aspire to do. And I trust you as a pastor, minister, are aspiring to do the same thing, not just affect people's lives, but raise up fathers for the next generation. You saw many ministers come out from under you and start under you and go start churches and missions works and Bible schools and all these other things. But yet God wants you to raise up a group of people to go out and do the same thing you do so that when you're gone, there'll be spiritual fathers after you. First Corinthians chapter four, Paul brings this out in verses 14 through 16. And here he says to the Corinthians, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. A father is one that you not only want to just listen to and learn from, but you want to imitate. You want to be just like them. Of course, you grow from that point on. You find out you can't be exactly like somebody else because you're not them. If God wanted another one of them, he'd have made you into them. But we all are unique. But there's certain things about them you want to not only learn from, you want to imitate them. I want to impact people like they do. Like they impacted me, I want to impact somebody else. Listen to this, baby animals don't go to animal school. I mean, we often talk about schools make you school. Well, you learn things in school, but here's the point. They can't replace parents and God made them that way. Oh, we're having in a, we have a government today that wants to take your parents away from you and around the world they do this and they want to substitute that government becomes the father and the mother of those children. No, huh? Baby animals don't go to animal school. They follow and imitate their parents. Calves follow cows and little horses follow horses and baby deer follow mom and dad deer and little dogs follow mom and dad dogs and cats do the same thing. And Hebrews chapter six and verse 12 tells us this, to be followers of them. The, the uh, tells us there be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises, not only to study after them, but be followers of them. We find this as imitators that we just talked about in the book of Ephesians. We beseech you brothers, first Thessalonians five verses 12 and 13. We beseech you, brothers, to know them who labor among you. The word here means to know about them and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. But it goes on to say, esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and their production's sake. You know, I don't look at their knowledge of the word of God. You look at the accomplishments they've made it and you want to imitate that person. So going to school as a child is good, but should never take the place of the leadership of parents. You know, I think back this in the word of God. Most of the children in the Bible we find out, just, just followed after their parents. And, uh, you know, Jesus probably knew some carpentry skills and stuff, but he learned it from his legal father and who was Joseph. And by learning these things, he applied into his own life. And so oftentimes we find in life growing up that children, that boys became blacksmiths because they stood beside their dad and learned that occupation from them right now. My grandson wants to grow up to be just like his dad. And his dad is one that's in, in uh, financial investments. He's learning standing right beside him. And he now has got a, a love for that and wants to do the same thing. How often do we find businesses that whenever the, the owner of it became old enough and was going to turn 
turned over to his son one day. It's now called, you know, Smith and Sons. It's named there after that and told this can be handed on because both are working together. When one's gone, the other's going to take it over. So more children took up their parents' occupation centuries ago when we didn't have public schools as we have today. Young girls worked beside their mothers to cook, clean, raise their baby brothers and sisters, and they gained a love for having children and wanted to have children. We're not raising future high school students of successful career workers, but future fathers and mothers. Older children begin to accept responsibility of the parents as they begin to raise their younger brothers and sisters. We find this true. How does a church run? It runs like a family. We have elders in the church, but what are elders? They're just older children watching out for younger children to help the pastor of the church who represents the father. And that's what we're looking for, fathers in the day we live in. And this is training you to also become a spiritual father in the years to come. But looking to someone that you can also admire, someone that you came up from under, that you can look at and see qualities of a spiritual father in them that you want to imitate. Boys work beside their fathers as farmers, ranchers, blacksmiths, carpenters. That's why we have such organizations like I mentioned as Smith and Son. And we see that because again, the son stood beside the father. We don't see this often today in business, but we still often see it in church. You learn more from seeing than hearing or studying. Seeing it, watching it come to work, watching a man who's taught the word of God and seeing how he lives it. Now I can say this, as you hang around people, there's gonna be certain things you learn not to do from them. I mean, I look at my father, I learned so many things from him, but I also saw things I wouldn't do. I thought to myself, you know what? When I become a father, I don't want to do that. I've been around ministers for years, and although I learned this much from them, sometimes there was things they would say and do. I go, you know what? I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Odd thing is, oftentimes, as I got in the ministry, I find myself doing exactly the same thing and find out why they said that. But again, often your life is looking at things you would do and things that you would not do. So in our schools and our church classes and ministry and Bible schools, we have many instructors, but we don't have that many fathers. But fathers become very special in the Christian life. Bible school is not a church or a substitute for church. In fact, Bible schools are parachurch ministries. Churches need you, especially to help them. I often admonish Bible school students, don't treat this as a church because it's not a church. Treat this as a training ground to go to church on Sundays and midweek services and use your skills there because those churches out there are looking for ushers. Oh, they got plenty of ushers. They never have enough ushers. You never have enough uh, Sunday school teachers. You never have enough those of people that will watch over newborns in the nursery of the church and young children No, there's never enough of those. They're always looking for more. And I'll tell you this, the best workers in my church were Bible school students who through the week went to Bible school and came to our church and then applied that. In fact, even told me later, I learned more in the church than I did in the Bible school. The Bible school told me what to do, but they didn't tell me in what application. When I came to church, I suddenly now worked it around people. And believe me, the the church itself is not just theology, it's working with people. If it wasn't for people, the ministry would be easy, but the ministry is people. So taking what you learn and applying it, and you'll find this out, no two people are the same. There's no generic thing they can teach you in school for how to handle people. No, every person is different and how to handle them is different. That's why you need to work with them. The best way to learn how to work with people is work with people. A father is someone that stands close to you and you learn by observing their life and doing as they do, imitating them and following them as they follow the Lord. Your main father should be a pastor, 
or a minister that you're staying close to and you work with them. Quit looking for a pastor to come and put his arm around you and take you. Go up to them and put your arm around them and say, would you help me? Would you train me? Uh, would, can, can I come to you from time to time, maybe once a week or, or once a month and just ask you some questions and you can help me? Pastors love that because why? They want to train up others who will become fathers one day themselves. Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God as dear children to where it comes back to it, the ultimate father that we go after is God himself. So again, going to Bible school, studying from books doesn't make you a successful minister. You need someone also to follow after. Paul had a team around him. Elijah took Elisha and around them, there was the school of the prophets out there who stood and watched from a distance. But the one who took the ministry over from Elijah was someone who followed after him. And the moment Elijah was taken into heaven, guess what Elisha said? My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen of it. He looked to him as a father image. And so again, how important that is. So we'll see you tomorrow as we take up from the same point. We'll finish this tomorrow talking about spiritual fathers. Have a great day. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.